Welcome back to Whiteout Weekly on one of the best victory weeks of the year as Penn State shuts out Maryland 30 to nil if we're talking footy, 30 love if we're talking tennis. Their first shutout since Dave. Gonna have to go back to last year, the IU game at home. Last year. This exact week, week 12, they beat Rutgers 28 So same exact situation as last year. Love it. Lions are number 11 in the AP poll. The college football playoff poll is coming out while we're recording this, so we'll update you on that as if you're not going to hear already beforehand. But to address the elephant in the room, yes, I am dressed head to toe in Maryland gear if you're watching this. Got a Fear the Turtle red shirt on, Maryland Big Ten across champions hat. Feel like an absolute clown, but I'm a man of my word. Lost to bet to Dave. I don't know why I would ever bet Dave. He's just gonna be he's gonna beat me. Like that's just the end result of it. Should have known. But we bet the only game that was not in the Big Ten betting bonanza. Ohio State versus Indiana. I was on Indiana plus 40 and a half, and they lost by 42. So here I am, dressing all red, like a big old loser who just lost 30 to nothing on Saturday. Wearing it with pride, baby. But before we get into all the awesome stats that Penn State put up against the Terps, Let's head around the trenches, a.k.a. around the Big Ten. And sad to say, my Professor Chaos Theory has come to an end. The Basically, the whole thing was Illinois losing out, which is happening. Wisconsin had to win out. And after seeing Iowa beat them, and somehow I saw a graphic of them being able to win the wild, wild west. I want no part of that. So Professor Chaos, if you watch South Park, he has a partner in crime. I'm handing the reins off to my partner in crime, General Disarray. So that would be I, General Disarray, taking over (laughs) this chaotic scene that is the Big Ten West. And as you can imagine, there is complete disarray after last weekend's events. So like you mentioned... Iowa seems to be in the driver's seat now. Although aside from Iowa, we have a, including Iowa, we have a four-way tie from a record standpoint at the top of the Big Ten West. Of course. All teams, but Iowa is the only team that controls their own destiny. So very simple. If Iowa wins their next two matchups at Minnesota, home against Nebraska, they control their own destiny, and they'll be in Indy. I was won three straight, Northwestern, Whiskey, and Purdue. So they're, that offense is rolling, baby. It's turning a new leaf. This is not what I want to hear. This is not what I want to hear. When you look at the other three teams, you got Illinois with back-to-back losses to Michigan State and Purdue. They own the tiebreaker over Wisconsin, Iowa, and Minnesota. But they okay. travel to Ann Arbor this weekend which tough draw and then finish off at northwestern which should be pretty winnable purdue 
owns the tiebreaker over Minnesota and Illinois. Uh, but obviously in the in the backseat here after dropping a 24 to 3 contest yeah. to Iowa. If both Purdue and Iowa win out, like I had mentioned before, with Iowa controlling their own destiny, Purdue would be left at home waiting for to see what their bowl game is, and Iowa would go to Indy. Lastly, Minnesota, somewhat in a driver's seat, but definitely a tough last two games here. So Minnesota plays home against Iowa at Wisconsin, and they would need Purdue to lose at least one of those last two in Minnesota to win out, and they could find themselves in Indy. So we still very much have disarray. If you're following all those tiebreakers and schedules at home, maybe you need to rewind it back, but we will be back next week with additional updates because this is just too good. Absolutely nuts. So how many possible scenarios are there? Like, Double digits, man. Yeah. <laughs> when you're in a scenario four way tie where all but one con- doesn't control their own destiny, yeah, more Any, chaos yeah. on the way. Anything. Or, I'm happen. sorry, disarray. Anything can happen in the West. <laughs> now the general disarray is in charge. Who knows? <laughs> but over to the East, a little more calm. Ohio State sort of squashed the doubts that we had last week about them being able to contend in the Final Four college football playoff by beating up on that injury-riddled Indiana Hoosier team, won 56-14. Buckeyes back to their juggernaut scoring. That's their seven of ten games this season, scoring 45 or more points. And then the matchup we're all waiting for, not this week, but next week, Ohio State-Michigan. Michigan continued to roll behind Blake Corum and that offensive line. And their defense seems to be under the radar as one of the best in the nation. They beat up on Nebraska 34-3 and have held their opponents to 10 points or less in six of 10 games. Most points scored on them was Maryland back in week four when they put up 27. So that game is looking like an offensive juggernaut running into a defensive sledgehammer and i personally can't wait for it (laughs) but to the game that everyone i'm sure was loving the entire entire time penn state maryland and we officially apologize for calling that a robbery game more of a heated back-to-back (laughs) <laughs> with that 30 nothing shut out. So next year, we're going to choose our words a little more carefully. But Davey, what did you, uh, what's it up for you in that dominant performance? I was totally shocked at how unprepared for this game Maryland was. Talia looked like an absolute deer in the headlights. And I granted, we know this Penn State defense has been rolling these last couple of weeks, or especially in those matchups against. Uh, Minnesota in the whiteout held held their ground aside from the last seven minutes against Ohio State and then absolutely dominated Indiana and really just kept that train rolling, which for us, extremely positive sign to see, especially when you're winning games like this with the young talent that you have. You're talking about nine freshmen that have burned their red shirts this year. Drew Shelton, probably soon to be number 10. 
So you're talking about winning in style and with young talent that you're grooming to help you next year, hopefully be able to compete and get a win against Ohio State and Michigan. So I thought really impressed with how our defense fared in this one, but again, totally shocked with how how lopsided this one was. I was expecting a little bit more of a fight from Maryland, especially, especially with those weapons on the outside, like we had mentioned going into this contest and even from Henby at the, at the tailback spot, but Penn State's defense just flat out dominated this team and Maryland who seemed to have been on the rise as the fourth best team in the big 10, or at least in the East right now, I honestly don't know. When you look at Ohio state, Michigan, Penn state, I honestly don't know who that fourth team is right now. (laughs) Yeah. Totally, totally up for grabs. And uh, yeah, I love how you mentioned even going back to Michigan, Minnesota, our pressure and run defense has just been out of control. So the last two weeks against Indiana and Maryland, we've led up a total of 125 rushing yards. That's only three less yards than Nick Singleton had himself against Maryland, 122. We had seven sacks total, obviously. Everyone saw those clips. Nine tackles for loss. And got to give a big shout out. We give a lot of love to Chop Robinson, who deservedly gets it. But Adisa Isaac in November, amongst Big Ten defensive linemen, he has seven total pressures. That's fifth, two sacks. That's fourth, two QB hits. That's fifth, and a 72 pass rush grade, according to PFF. That's 10th. So defense, absolutely getting after it. Yeah, for sure. Even the secondary holding up strong without Joey Porter Jr. going into this matchup, which we found out or found out today at James Franklin's presser. So he broke his own kind of rules about uh, describing, you know, injury or giving intel to injuries. Um, But I guess there had been so much misconception with this, you know, reporters, fans asking, is Joey Porter just sitting this out to get ready for the draft? Apparently it was in a he had an appendicitis, so he had to get his appendix removed. So that's why he was out. They're hoping wow. to get him back for the rest of the season or at some point in these last two games and have him for the potential New Year's Six Bowl. But to be able to get this done without him just sheds light on the the corner depth that this team has and the way that Keelan King has stepped up, you know, which yeah. we've highlighted. And then, again, just going back to the offensive line of the ball, just to switch it up, another masterful job by Phil Troutwine, who definitely deserves credit after all the heat, and deservedly so, that he received these last couple of years with not being able to get the run game going. But again, without Olu Fushano, without Landon Tangwall, with young guys in there, with Drew Shelton, like we said, at left tackle, it gets you really excited about the depth of this team going into next year. At mentioning Drew Shelton over the last two weeks, he has a team high 161 snaps and pass block protection, five pressures allowed, one QB hit, no sacks. So kids living up to the hype for sure, as well as our other two freshman running backs who rank among some of the best running backs in the Big Ten, who are some phenomenal upperclassmen backs like Chase Brown, Blake Corum, Mo Ibrahim. Currently, Nick Singleton has 799 yards on the year. That's seventh in the Big Ten. 
6.5 yards per carry, third, 10 touchdowns, fourth, 10 rushing touchdowns, fourth, and 18 rushes of 10-plus yards, eighth. On the other side, Catron, 628 yards this season, 11th. 5.1 yards per attempt, 11th. Eight rushing touchdowns, sixth. 23 rushes of 10-plus yards, fifth. So we basically have two freshman backs that are among the top 10 in the Big Ten right now with some phenomenal, phenomenal backs that are going to get drafted in this year's draft. Yeah, an opportunity to have, I know Catron will be a little bit tougher to get, but two potentially two 1,000-yard rushers and double-digit touchdown scores, which when you talk about the state of the running game last year, to be talking about this now at this point in the year with these two young backs is night and day. And it's, again, it's just another thing that just gets you excited for the future, for, for next year. Yeah, crazy. Also loved seeing Chop get two sacks against his old team. Yep. We posted his stats onto our Instagram, and I believe he commented, I don't know what, it's, we said two sacks against his old squad, and he commented, I don't know what squad that is. So <laughs> love the heat there. Love the fire. <laughs> One last shout out. We, I think we shout him out pretty much every single episode, but Abdul Carter. PFF is loving what this kid's doing in November in the Big Ten among all linebackers. Highest graded pass rusher. Third graded overall defender. Third graded tackler. Only linebacker with double digit tackles and no missed during the month of November. So number 11, as we always say, is in some great hands. Mm-hmm. We were going to talk some bulls, but that's not that's not our mentality here. Want to know? Want to know every week? And this week, we head to an always rowdy, always gritty environment in Piscataway, as Penn State is nineteen point favorites on the road, with the over under set at forty five. And those lines are as of Tuesday night. I think I got this right. Do you see the same thing? Mm-hmm. Yep. So Rutgers, four and six on the year, but one and six in the Big Ten with their only win coming against Indiana. A little bit of tidbit on this game. Not really useful, but Penn State is 15 straight up wins since 1989 against the Scarlet Knights. So last week, Rutgers didn't have enough to come back against the Sparties as Michigan State handed them their third straight L, winning 27-21 at home. And overall, this Rutgers offense is run heavy, mainly because... They've done the QB shuffle all season long. First game of the year, they start redshirt senior transfer Johnny Lang, who is from Boston College, played quarterback for them at the end of last season and started this season, is now playing tight end for them. So sort of the uh, Taysom Hill, I guess you can call him, of Rutgers. <laughs> so he starts week one. Move on from him 
immediately after that. Week two, retro freshman Gavin Wimsat starts against Wagner. Move on from him. Start redshirt freshman Evan Simon from Mount Joy, PA. He faces Temple, Iowa, and Ohio State. Then they move on from him and go to the Wiley veteran senior Noah Vedral, grad transfer from Nebraska, who came back for his first game against Nebraska, played them, Indiana, and Minnesota. But head coach Greg Schiano leaked probably the worst-kept secret in their program which was that he hurt his throwing hand during summer camp, which kept him out for the first four weeks. Mm -hmm. And that severely limited him in his starts. So they went back to retro freshman Gavin Wimsat against Minnesota. He got the nod again against Michigan state. And Shiana said before that game that it's his show the rest of the way. So, yeah, they don't throw a lot, but when Winsep is in, he throws to three main guys, all seniors, Wisconsin transfer, who honestly is one of my favorite college football players, absolutely electric, wide receiver Aaron Krukshank, 5'10", 170, elusive, elusive receiver. Another guy who loves to throw to wide receiver Sean Ryan, 6'1", 200 pounds. And finally, previously mentioned QB slash tight end, Taysom Hill hybrid tight end, Johnny Langan, who's 6'3", 235. Imagine that guy playing quarterback. Jeez. And on the ground, they had a true freshman, Sam Brown V, Philly native who went to the same high school as Abdul Carter, LaSalle College, the high school. And he had a monster game and their last win over Indiana, 28 carries, most carries from a Rutgers running back since they joined the Big Ten. Mm. Kind of a wild stat. 28's mm. not that many. But went for 101 and a touchdown, but unfortunately suffered a devastating season-ending injury. They won't disclose exactly what it is in the fourth quarter of that game. So the tailback responsibilities belong to Kyle Moningai, five foot nine, two hundred five pound sophomore, who last week rushed twenty four times against Michigan State for one hundred and sixty two yards. And watching some of the highlights from that game, he seeks contact and mm-hmm. wants to finish people. Like he doesn't want the defender coming to him; he goes to that. <laughs> Yeah, overall, for Rutgers kind of offense as a whole, they just struggle to score the ball or score points, rather. They've only scored 20 points in two of their contests. And passing-wise, you know, we, we you're mentioning the, the quarterback carousel that has been in the year 2022 for them. 13th in the Big Ten in passing yards per game at 164 per 10 passing touchdowns versus 13 INTs. So that offense just flat out struggles to move the ball and score the ball. Um, Northwestern, I'm assuming, is the only team below them in passing? I believe so. I'd have to look that up. But yeah, I'd I assume so. that is Northwestern. <laughs> I'd assume so. But the only person I'm really worried about on that offense is Krushank, mm-hmm. just because he's so elusive 
after the catch. They never they don't really throw it downfield, especially uh, with their new quarterback. He's 39, catches on the year for 354 yards and only one drop. So very sure hand sure handed, elusive after the catch can definitely break one. But I do have faith in all the face faceless men in the Penn State secondary, especially Caitlin Kin, filling in that CB1 role. But what's the news on uh, JPJ and Curtis Jacobs again this week? Jacobs, he was out before the Maryland game doing pregame activities and pregame warmups. So I think there's a pretty good feeling in the locker room that he should be good to go this week okay. on any major setbacks. But JP, uh, JPJ, poor junior, I don't know the latest on him. All that was kind of announced today was that he had the appendicitis. So typical recovery time. You know, you would think maybe he'd be out this week and try to get back for Michigan State and then the bowl. But uh, that that remains to be seen. Yeah, either way, um, their offense is nothing to worry about, but they do. I mean, they're going to run some wrinkles. They're probably going to run crew shank mm-hmm. on some jet sweeps. Um, yep. So the linebackers definitely have to be ready if Jacobs is not there. I mean, Kobe King and Abdul Carter have been stepping up a ton in the previous mm-hmm. two games. But what about their defense, Dave? Where can we exploit them on defense? Defense-wise... I know it's going to take some work to get there. Obviously, it's not the first part of the drive, but in the red zone, you talk about a bend but don't break defense that we typically allude the Nittany Lions defense to. That is not the case with the Scarlet Knights. So on opponents, 28 red zone attempts this year, uh, Rutgers has given up 27 scores. So nearly 100%. You're getting in red zone. You're getting points on the board. And 22 of those 28 attempts have ended in touchdowns. So... Not even betting, just breaking. Yes, breaking and breaking. Uh, and then as a unit, give it up just under 26 points a game, uh, 134 rush yards per game. So it should be another a big week for that offensive line to continue to dominate in the trenches and allow uh, Singleton and Allen to spring free. A uh, couple of key guys to look out for are really mainly at the linebacking core. So Tyrene Powell, 6'3", uh, 235-pound linebacker. 60 tackles on the year, six tackles for loss, three sacks, five pass breakups, five QB hurries. So he's kind of one to look out for. That's kind of been all over the place. And then deviating from the defense's special teams, their punter might very well be the best player on the field for them. (laughs) So that's Adam Corsak, who last year was a Ray Guy finalist and looking like he could be this year as well. Uh, So that field position battle that you end up with if your rocker is going in every game because you can't move the ball. So good to have that on on your side. But uh, if we're worrying about the punter and calling out the punter, uh, then Penn State should be in pretty good shape for this one. Always got to respect a good punter, though. Oh, absolutely. Always have to. So uh, the two games prior to last week, they faced Minnesota and the Michigan Wolverines. And Rutgers' defense was on the field two-thirds of the game. 79 total minutes because their third-down defense is atrocious. Mm. Last week, they actually evened out the time of possession against Michigan State and held the Sparties to 4 of 11 on third downs. And unfortunately, Penn State, not the best on third downs. Ranked 95th in the country converting just over 
36% of the time on third down. So my keys to the game are converting on third and fourth down, obviously. And then looking at last week, Michigan State's running backs against them, like you mentioned, very, very vulnerable against the run. Jalen Berger, 16 carries, 85 yards on the tutty. Jarek Broussard, 11 carries, 80 yards. In total, that's 5.6 yards per pop. So I think it's going to be a big game from Singleton and the K-Train. And they've also allowed 19 sacks in the season. So I expect the sack launches to keep coming. What do you got for keys? Really, for me, I think on the, and you hinted at or mentioned it on the defensive side of the ball to continue to see this train starting to roll or continue to roll rather. So defense, 73 tackles for loss on the season, 25 in the last two games. So to would love to see that trend continue. And I think when you talk about the offensive side of the ball, continue to win the explosive play battles like we have been. <clears throat> um, you know, Cliff didn't play his best game against Maryland, missed a couple deep shots down the field, uh, missed Parker Washington on that flea flicker. So continue to show those wrinkles in the offense to keep the defense on their toes. You don't have to do it as much with Rutgers, but to continue to show that. And I think the goal should be to be able to get Aller in the game again. Uh, yes. to potentially, you know, you utilize those types of plays and and see see him stretch the ball down the field to get continue to get him reps, continue to get him prepped for uh, for next year. Absolutely, yes. And this, given the spread at nineteen, very weird number. Mm-hmm. We will definitely be talking about it as we actually got back to our winning ways last week in the Big Ten betting bonanza with only. Two weeks remaining, plus the Big Ten Championship, to decide who gets the Big Ten betting bonanza dumbbell trophy. And things are surprisingly heating up. It is... The greatest betting competition on planet Earth, week 12 of the Big Ten betting bonanza. And the boys are back to their winning ways. Back in their winning ways. Davey put on his money suit last week as he easily hit the Purdue, Illinois over 44 and a half. Again, easily hit that disrespect. Respectful Penn State minus 10 spread over Maryland. And his only loss came from taking the over 48 and a half in Michigan, Nebraska. Cornhuskers could only put up three points. And the Wolverines couldn't carry that total on their own, only putting up 34. So in week 11, the total man, Dave Barron, goes two and one up 0.8 units and adds two bonanza points to his total. So again, with two two weeks left on the season and the Big Ten Championship, Davey is flirting with professional handicap numbers. 18 and 12 on the year. That's good for 60%. 
which is up there with some of the world's best, like J.V. Miller, Billy Walters, Dave Barron. Mm-hmm. Put them all up there together. <laughs> he is up 6.25 units and has 24 Bonanza points, most importantly. I had a big week units-wise last week. I hit that Purdue money line plus 210 over Illinois as a part of the Professor Chaos Theory, but lost the most important part to me as Wisconsin fell to my mortal enemy, Mm -hmm. Iowa. And then my second win was the under 59 in Penn State, Maryland, which didn't sweat once for the entire game. So my week 11 record, two and one, again, up 0.8 units. We do, we wager one unit to win 0.9. So that's kind of how we're calculating it, but we're going to change that for next season. And most importantly, with the Purdue money line win and the Penn State under, that's plus five for the Purdue win, plus one for the Penn State, that's plus six. I have 19 bonanza points on the year. Like I said, my goal is just to finish the year at 500, close to zero, zero units as possible, just make it a wash. But the bonanza points is what it all comes down to. And right now it's 19 to 24. I'm down one touchdown underdog money line victory away from tying this thing up and changing the entire outcome of this <laughs> but my record's still awful i'm 13 16 and one <sighs> down 4.1 units like i said 19 bonanza points to dave's 24 so things are heating up in the final two weeks what do you got for me dave what do you got First one, gonna keep it short and sweet, just like last week. Nits minus 19 at Rutgers. Another disrespectful line. They should be at least a three touchdown favor here. You know, it seems a little weird. 19's a weird number, but I think they cover this. They keep this train rolling on the route to 10 wins. Cover up the rest. That was my first oh first pick. But I, I knew you were going to take that, so I have plenty more. <laughs> so we all know the big game next week, Ohio State and Michigan. Michigan this week heads to Maryland, a team that just got complete – or Ohio State, excuse me, not Michigan. Ohio State heads to Maryland, a team that got – completely embarrassed by Penn State. I'm thinking that this might be a little bit of a look-ahead spot for the Buckeyes. You got Mayon Williams injured, Trayvon Henderson banged up, Jackson something Jigba not really playing all year. C.J. Stroud played well last week, but has been off the past few weeks. So I'm going to take Maryland plus 14 and a half First half spread. Oh, spicy pick. I Gotta like do it. it. I had to do it. Wearing <laughs> wearing the Maryland Terps clown gear. I had to pick. The, I had to pick them in the Big Ten Bennett. <laughs> had to do it. Like it. All right. So for my second pick, funny enough, I'm going to stick with that game there. 
And I'm on the side where I think I think this game, I think for Maryland to keep it close, I think they got to make it ugly. So it's either going to be an ugly game and close, or I'm kind of leaning more to the side where I think Maryland's kind of just spiraling out of control, similar to how we did last year. So the Fair. looking at the total, as you can imagine on this game, under, uh, over under 64 and a half seems a little high to me. I think Vegas just kind of bounce or banking on, uh, you know, on Maryland, just bouncing back and lighting up the scoreboard. I don't think that's going to be the case. I think it's either this is going to be ugly and a real low scoring affair or Ohio state continues the, to come in guns blazing and Maryland just can't score just like they looked against us. So I think that total is a little too high for me. So I'm going to take the under 64 and a half. I love that pet. I'm going to add that to my list as always. All right. What you got? I'm going to go with, we're going to head to Indiana, Michigan State. Tuttle, out for the season. Man of honor. Went from clown to Ned Stark of the (laughs) Whiteout Weekly podcast. God bless him. So Connor Basilisk and Dexter Williams are their quarterbacks. <laughs> and if you remember what I talked about, what the Michigan State running backs did, or uh, sorry, Michigan State versus Rutgers last week, the Rutgers running backs, what they did against uh, Michigan State. Kyle Man. <laughs> Yeah, these freaking names. Moaning guy, 24 carries, 162 on the ground. Michigan State's 97th in the nation versus a run, 126 yards, 172, excuse me, per game, 4.2 per carry. So Indiana's plus 10 and a half. But I'm going for the tie. Give me the money line plus 320 on that one. Oh, Michigan baby. State coming back down to earth. <laughs> that was a struggle to get through, but I did it. <laughs> <laughs> well done. Well done, sir. <laughs> My notes were all over the place on that. <laughs> all right. Uh, for my final pick, it's only right with my new title as General Disarray, but I'm <laughs> headed over to the west side where the Purdue Boilermakers are looking to put the nail in the coffin. Actually, sorry, second to last game. So almost the final nail in the coffin for this dreadful Pat Fitzgerald Northwestern season. I think Purdue, they're going to do everything they can to try to get to Indianapolis for the Big Ten title game. I got Purdue Boilermakers minus 20. in this. Ooh, going away from the total, Mr. Total Man. All right. Okay. So for my last pick, I saw a report from the Omaha World Herald. Evan Bland Great said lunch. that Casey Thompson is day to day. Oh. So Nebraska is at home against Wisconsin. And I honestly think. Casey Thompson plays in this game. They're plus 12 and a half, plus 13. 
I'm gonna take the money line again at plus 380 for two plus fives on the board. If I hit both of them, the Big Ten betting bonanza landscape changes and the dumbbell might remain in its rightful hands. Swing it for the fences with two weeks left. Got to not taking the points. Money lines all day plus fives. (laughs) One of them's got to hit. Love the guts. Do, 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 do you have it? Guts. Love that show. Love that show. <laughs> so with that, thank you again for tuning in to Wait Out Weekly. We got two weeks left. The bowl announcement, some recruiting news. So we will definitely have some videos coming out definitely for the next three weeks and into the off season. Once again, thank you guys for listening. We love the support. Love hearing from you guys on social media. And we will see you next week, hopefully after another victory. Thanks, guys.